Thanks very much, Cookie. Um, yeah, so we're finishing off our theme of looking at God is still. So a couple of weeks ago, um, we had uh, God is still just, and then last week, Sue brought ministry on how God is still love. And then this is the third part, uh, looking at how God is still working. Okay, so did anybody used to get really excited when you got a letter in the post? Anyway, when you were younger, I'm talking about here. Um, when, I feel like when you're a child, before you've got your own house, um, before, while you're still living with your parents' house, uh, then it can be quite exciting when you get a letter in the post, isn't it? Usually, it's maybe your birthday card around your birthday, and there may be a chance there's some money in there, maybe a bit of cash or a check for you. And, or did anyone have a pen friend? Anybody ever have a pen friend? A few people. Um, anyone want to shout out? Like, any, have a, anyone have a pen friend in another country? Anyone? What countries? France? France, America, any advance in America? Oldham. Oldham. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't think that's a pen friend, I think that's just a friend. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but I'm guessing when you got a letter from your pen friend, you're excited to open it and read it, see what they had been up to, see how they lived their life, maybe differently than you did as well. And we get a bit older, don't we? We get our own house and we, we get posts through the, um, through the letterbox. It's not quite as exciting, is it? Uh, it might be um, off the energy company saying the prices have gone up uh, or off your bank or something like that. And usually it's not the news that we, that we want to hear. It's just some information, something we think we don't need or a lot of kind of promotional material that maybe doesn't always get read and just goes straight into the recycling bin as well. But so often we get these messages, we get these letters, and, and usually depending on who it's from determines our reaction, doesn't it? That maybe we get Christmas cards of people that we don't see for the whole rest of the year, and we get to read what this person's been up to um, for the, the previous 12 months and all that's been going on in their life, uh, and we, we look forward to, to hearing about these people that we don't get to see so often, or hearing what people have been up to. Like I say, other people, other companies maybe more so, uh, we're not as excited to see what they have got to say to us. But I feel like one of the most encouraging, one of the most uplifting things that can happen in our lives is when we get a, a message or we get a personal word or um, a message like that from God. We think about the, the God of the whole universe, the God that made the world, the God that over look seven billion people on our planet and he's got a message just for you isn't that feeling something that is a massive encouragement to us all it might be that we're spending time reading the bible and and there's something in there that we read and it just hits us right in our heart hits us right where we are in that moment i think actually god is speaking to me right now in this moment for some of us, it might be a time when God has used somebody else to, to give us a word of encouragement or a word of prophecy or something like that over our lives, and that message from God is just for you in that one moment. There's lots of other ways God speaks to us. It might be in worship or through a picture or a dream or different things like that, that God speaks to us and he's got a message just for us in that moment. Isn't it a massive encouragement, a massive reassurement that our God is thinking about us and wants to speak to us in that moment. I'm going to look at the story of Joseph this morning, a story that many of us would have heard before um, as well. Uh, but Joseph's story starts with um, a word, a message from God. God speaks to Joseph in a dream. So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 to 9. 
is Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain in the fields, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I've had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. Sometimes you think Joseph doesn't know where to stop, does he? They hated him in the first place. They told him the first dream. They hated him even more. Then he decided to tell them the second dream uh, as well. But the story of Joseph goes on. Um, the, the, because his brothers hated him so much, they wanted to get rid of him. They thought about killing him. But in the end, they threw him down a pit threw him into a well um, and then pulled him out of there, sold him off as a slave uh, and he, he got taken away as a slave. Uh, from there uh, he worked for Potiphar's um, as a servant in his house, then got accused of something that he didn't do, got thrown into prison after that. So it was quite the journey for Joseph. But like Joseph, we've all got a word from God. We've all got access to God's word. Whether we're maybe in that place where we feel like God has given us an individual word at different moments in our life. But whether that is the case or not, we've all got God's word for our lives. To read, to, to go through that God speaks to us through that. I believe for every single one of us, if we give God the time to speak to us through his word, if we give God the time to actually read his word, to open it, to listen to him, that God will speak to us. We've all got that opportunity and that word from God for our lives. But there's certain things in the Bible God talks about and it doesn't always work out like that for us. It might be that God promises to be our healer, God promises to provide for us and all the different stories we read in the Bible about who God is and the miracles that he performs and the way that he loves us. Sometimes through life it doesn't always feel like that's the case though does it? Through the different seasons we go through, the ups and downs, the mountains and the valleys, the the health and the illness and the the provision and the, the lack of it, all the different things and seasons in our life it doesn't always turn out as we'd hoped. But this morning, the title of my message is that God is still working. God is still working. Through any season, through any ups and downs, whatever we go through, whatever we face, God is still working. You might be sat there this morning thinking in a place where I'm wondering why all these things are happening to me. I feel like, it's so why is it always me? There's a famous footballer that had a written on his shirt that said, why always me. He seemed to have chaos following him wherever he went in his life. We might be thinking in this situation, why is my situation not changing? Why is God not working? Why is God not doing what he is? But our God is still working. I've got three things I'm going to talk about this morning that hopefully are going to encourage us and help us. The first thing is that God is still working in the chaos. God is still working in the chaos. Now, is anybody else a Jason Bourne film fan? And we've seen the Bourne films. Uh, a few people with hands up there. Um, but I love the Jason Bourne films. Um, and for anyone that's not seen them or doesn't know, they are quite old, so hopefully I'm not spoiling anything here uh, for people. But uh, these films about Jason Bourne, is, uh, it starts off, he's kind of floating in the sea, uh, and he looks like he's dead. But he gets dragged onto this boat and, and realised he's still alive, but he can't remember anything about his previous life or who he is. 
And the journey of the films is, is him trying to kind of understand about his past and who he was. Uh, and he used to work for the CIA uh, and be involved in all, all the things that were going on, this kind of story of, uh, and kind of all the things that the CIA were involved in. And he's kind of work, trying to work out this journey. Um, but it's clear that there's kind of stuff that wasn't right. The CIA were doing things and working in a way that wasn't good. And they're trying to capture him and bring him back in so they can stop him kind of uncovering all these things. And his journey is very much to kind of do that without being captured by the CIA. And these moments in the films where um, he is trying to communicate with someone, that his, his friend that works in the CIA, but obviously he can't just ring her up, he can't just go and meet her for coffee because the CIA will, will capture him and, and, and grab him and bring him back in. So he arranges um, some these things to, to kind of meet up and communicate with her in the midst of chaos. So there's this time when there's a, a, a big, um, kind of in the middle of a city centre, um, they know he, he's spoken to her, he's got a message to her, that he wants to, to meet her, uh, and CIA kind of know about it, so they're going to be there and try to capture him at the same time. But he does it at a time when there's a huge protest going on in this city centre, so there's thousands of people marching through this city centre. In the midst of that, there's kind of buses coming and going, and what he does is he meticulously plans um, this uh, operation for him to kind of speak to his friend in the CIA to kind of get with her and be able to talk to her um, meticulously with the times these bus comes on. So a bus comes, he kind of gets on it at the right time, he gets off it. And it's all in the midst of this huge protest and march through this city centre. And he's able to communicate with this woman without being caught. And for anyone else that would see that scene, it looks like it is just absolute chaos in that city centre. There's people everywhere, there's stuff happening everywhere. But Jason Bourne, through all the midst of that, he has got a meticulous plan that works. In the midst of all that chaos that people can see and all that is going on, that he is working through it all. We might feel like that at times, actually, our life is a bit chaotic. I think I have no idea what is going on here. I don't know where God is taking me. I don't know what is going on. But in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of all that that is going on in our world, God is still working. Joseph's life, as we know, he was thrown down a well. He was sold as a slave. He was wrongfully accused and put in prison. And all these things happened in his life that seemed to be absolute chaos. But what is repeated through this story time and time again is God was with him. God was with him. Genesis 39 verses 20 to 21, when he had been wrongfully accused, um, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. Some of us might be here this morning thinking, yeah, my life at the moment seems pretty chaotic. With the, the ebbs and flows of life, all the things that go on, there might be other things like illnesses or, or issues with our family and all different things that can go on in our world that cause that chaos to happen. And in the midst of that, it can be easy to try and take things into our own hands, can't it? It can be like, actually, there's too much chaos going on for me here. I want to I wanna do all these things in my way. I want to get control of all these things. And that's okay in some ways, but when we, when we take those things away from God's control, then that's not what God is asking us to do. Often in the midst of our chaos, we get hurt, we get let down, we get stressed and all of this. Uh, and there's a phrase that people often say is that hurt people hurt people. When people have been hurt themselves, when people have gone through um, tough times, when people feel like they've been hard done to, often people want to take that hurt on themselves and then they retaliate with someone else or they lash out at somebody else. You take your hurt into your own hands and you want to do something with it. You want to get some payback for that hurt. 
But we've got to be committed as God's people to actually letting God do a work in our lives. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the times when often we feel hurt, we feel pain, we feel let down. It's not then an opportunity for us to then cause that hurt and pain on someone else. It's actually that God wants to do something in our lives often. That God wants to do something in our heart and change us and transform us and renew us in those times. We've got to be people that are still before God. They don't take things in our own hands and say, no, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to do the way that feels best to me. But be open to God and say, actually, God, what are you wanting to do in my life in this season? What are you wanting to do in um, me in this time? So many different times in the Old Testament when God's people are going into battle, uh, we hear this phrase that God says to them, says, I will fight for you. I will fight for you. One of these times is as the, the Israelites have fled Egypt uh, and the Egyptians have then realised what they've done by letting them go uh, and they chase them uh, and the Israelites seem to be stuck in this tough point. Exodus chapter 14 verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. In those moments where we feel like there's chaos going around our worlds, we feel like we don't know what is going on, that the God can say to us, I will fight for you, you need only to be still. Let God do his work in you, let God do his work in and through our lives. That's not meaning we just sit back and accept anything that is going on and happening in our lives, but recognising that we stay close to God in those times, we stay close to him, we stay close to his word and what he wants to do in and through our lives. The first thing, God is still working in the chaos. The second thing I'm going to talk about this morning is God is still working in the silence. God is still working in the silence. Now, has anyone ever been thrown a surprise party? Or ever had a surprise party thrown for them? A few people. Anybody really enjoy having a surprise party thrown for them? <laughs> a few people there. But um, recently I've been to some surprise parties um, and it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because while a surprise party is being planned, you've got two journeys going on at the same time. So the first journey, you've got the person that the surprise party has been thrown for. So they are completely oblivious to anything that is going on. Uh, it might be coming up to their birthday, a big, a big celebration or something like that. And there is no talk of maybe what they're going to do for that. They might be thinking, I've forgotten it's my birthday, thinking what is going on. Uh, and it's a complete journey of silence, isn't it? No one's talking to them about the party. No one dares mention anything around that time. And they are on a complete journey of silence, wondering what um, they are going to do to celebrate their birthday or whatever it is. On the other side, uh, there's a journey that are people working, people doing something all the time. There's the planning, there's the preparation, there's what food they're going to have, and there's inviting everybody, there's trying to get everybody to not tell the person that they're about the party, uh, and there's all these kind of things in motion um, to get this party to happen, to make this party the best it can be, to be the best surprise for the person who they are celebrating. And these two journeys happen at the same time. And often I think we can feel like the person that's receiving that surprise party. We're thinking, actually, I'm, I'm moving on, I'm going forward in this, but I'm not hearing God say anything. I'm not hearing anything about what's coming next. I don't know what, what it's going to be like. I don't know how I'm going to celebrate my birthday. I don't know anything about it. There's no information there. And we think, God, sometimes we feel like that with, with God. We think, God, I, I need to know my next steps. I need to know where you're taking me. I need to know what you're doing. I need an answer from you, God, for this. But it feels like all we've got is silence. I want to encourage you in those times that while we're on that journey of silence, often God is still working. Often God is still ordaining and planning our next steps for us. 
God is still working in that. After Joseph had this dream in the first place that he told his brothers about him being this place of great influence and power, there's nowhere else it, uh, it says in the Bible that God spoke to Joseph in the same way again. Nowhere else does it say God told Joseph that he was going to go to prison. Nowhere does it tell him he, he told him about his journey or how any of it was going to happen. He simply had this first dream as a young boy and then it seems like God didn't give him any other direction. God didn't give him any other information about where he was going. From this clear dream of influence and success, he hears nothing. How would you feel in that time? What Joseph does is he keeps serving. He could have got to a point where he was in prison or um, he was in slavery or, and thought, well, clearly this dream is never going to happen. I'll just give up and, uh, and not be all who God has called him to be but every single time where he goes when he's serving Potiphar in his house when he's in prison every single time he serves wholeheartedly and does the best he can he gives his all in all those situations he does the right thing over and over again even when Potiphar's wife is trying to get hold of him get her hands on him he still does the right thing it says day after day after day Joseph did the right thing He trusted God through that. After that one word at the start, and then what seemed like a silence in that direction, and what God was telling him, and where God was taking him, he still did the right thing day after day after day. For me in my journey, there's there's only a very few times where I feel like God has given me any direction or or information about my call and what he's wanting me to do. And all I simply wanted to do in between those times is just keep doing with what God has called me to do. You might think, oh, well, it's been a couple of years now. Do I just carry on doing the same thing or just wait for something else? But often God just wants us to keep doing, keep serving diligently in what he has asked us, in what he has said, and what he wants us to do. When we feel like God is silent, that's never an excuse for us to pull away from God. That's never an excuse for us to drift away from him. God is still working through when it seems like it's silent for us. Some great questions, I think, to ask us. And some of these, may, you may feel these are applicable to you. They may feel like they're not applicable to you. But some great questions that we can ask ourselves when we feel like God is silent with us. First one, have you been obedient in the last thing that he asked? Sometimes God does speak to us, but we kind of put it to one side and think, well, that's not really for me. I don't fancy that, actually. That seems like a bit too tough, or that doesn't really sit, sit right with me. But we kind of put it to the side and say, well, I'll wait for the next thing that God asks me to do that's a bit more appealing, that's maybe a bit more attractive, a bit more easier for us. But sometimes God will ask us, and he'll wait. And it's up to us then to do and to be obedient in what God has asked us to do. Have you given God an opportunity to speak to you? Have you spent enough time with him in his presence, reading his word? Have you given him that proper opportunity to speak into your life? And the other thing is to cling to what God does say and what God has said. God's word is true. God's word is applicable for all of us. There's so much in God's word that we, we can kind of brush off and leave to one side. But God's word never expires. It never runs out of date. God's word is for us today and every day. So God is still working in the silence. Third thing we'll talk about is that God is working in the helplessness. God is working in the helplessness. Now when I was at school, uh, my best friend was called Jamie. Uh, He was very much the the class clown. So he would always be messing about uh, in class. Uh, He had the uh, annoying 
talent that he could be talking to someone else, having a conversation with, with his friend or, or someone else in the class um, and still um, be able to hear what the teacher was saying. So often he'll be chatting away in the class and the teacher will say, Jamie, what have I just said? And he'll be able to repeat exactly what the teacher had just said or, or Jamie, what's the answer to this? And he will know the answer straight away. And this would always annoy us and annoy the teacher because they'd be like, well, stop distracting other people then, uh, Jamie. Uh, but this, this was my best friend at school. And uh, one of our science lessons, um, Jamie descri- decided to, to write on the desk um, a fuzzy. So fuzzy was my nickname when I was at high school. So he wrote on the desk, a fuzzy was a uh, 2K, as he did in the year 2000. So he wrote this in, in pen on the desk, fuzzy was a uh, 2K. And I was like, that's a bit annoying um, doing that. But I thought, well, if the teacher sees that, Obviously, it wasn't me, so I won't get in trouble for it. Um, I'll be able to explain what happened and that it wasn't me. Uh, But sure enough, the teacher kind of walks around at the end of the lesson, um, saw this written on the desk and said, okay, Aaron, come and see me at the end of the lesson. So I was like, right, that'll be my opportunity to explain uh, what has happened there. Now, just to give you a bit of an insight into this science teacher, some of you remember a couple of years ago uh, when Dominic Cummins went to test his eyesight in Barnard Castle. Um, so I went to high school in Barnard Castle, uh, and he was supposed to be self-isolating, and the science teacher that um, saw Dominic Cummins and was a person that kind of rang up, got the phone and got in touch with a, the newspaper, um, this was this science teacher uh, in my class called Mr. Lees. So just to give you a bit of an indication about his kind of personality... Uh, so I went to see him at the end of the lesson and um, I kind of he starts shouting and saying what on earth are you doing vandalising my desks etc uh, and I say to him I said it wasn't me I said do you think I would be stupid enough to write my own name on your desk and he kind of looks at me confused and says no no it's your name and, and say no it's, it must have been you uh, and I didn't want to kind of get my friend into it I was like somebody else wrote my name on the desk I was like I'm not that stupid to do that and he didn't believe me anyway, um, and, and I, however much I tried to explain and say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not that daft, it wasn't me. Um, he gave me the detention, I had to go to the detention, and he put a little black dot next to my name on the register, which I've no idea what it means, but it seemed quite threatening at the time. Um, but in, in all the midst of that, I just had a complete feeling of injustice and helplessness. Whatever I tried to say, however I tried to explain it, that this wasn't me, I still had to take the punishment for what my friend had done. In the midst of this, Joseph must have had so many complete feelings of helplessness as he went on this journey. Especially when he was in prison. First of all, he's in prison for something that he didn't even do. But while he was in prison, he served so well. He was given responsibility over the other prisoners and different things in prison. But then two of um, the king's workers come into prison. Uh, and the story goes on. Joseph interprets their dreams. Uh, and then they get released from prison. And he asks them, says, please remember me. Please do all you can to get me out of prison. I shouldn't even be in here. But those that know the story, Genesis chapter 40. Verses 23 says, The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Another moment where Joseph stuck in prison and would have a complete feeling of, I've done everything I can. I've interpreted this guy's dream. Um, and he's been released from prison. And then he still forgot me. A complete feeling of helplessness for him. Often we can be in those times and we think, why isn't God intervening? Why isn't God changing something or doing something in our moments of helplessness? Why isn't God healing? Why isn't God providing? Why isn't God giving me a peace? Why isn't God working in my life the way that I want him to? 
We can be frustrated in those times, can't we? And thinking, why and what is God doing? I think the most important thing for us to remember in those times when we feel like God isn't doing what we want, isn't doing something the way we want, or isn't doing something in the timing that we want, is to remember actually who our God still is. Even if your God isn't healing you the way you want, or in the moment, the timing you want, God is still your healer. Even if God isn't providing for you in the way you want and how you want, God is still your provider. Even if God isn't working for you or giving you the peace or whatever you feel in those times, God is still your peace. In all situations, let's stay close to God. Let's recognise God is still working. Even if it's not the way we want and how we want, our God is still working in and through our lives. The band want to uh, come back up now. Often when we, we have these moments where we're going through tough times and we think, is God still working or not? We... It causes us to pull away from God, doesn't it? That often we can, we can say we have that faith in God or we want to trust God, but actually would it be so much easier if I just took things into my own hands? If I just did things my way? If God's not providing for us in the way we want, think, well, I'll take full control of my finances. I'll stop tithing. I'll have that bit extra that I'm going to do with what I can and what I need to. If God isn't providing for us in the way, if God doesn't find us the right relationships, we'll think, well, I'll do it my way. I'll just do what feels good for me in those times. If God isn't doing what we want, we can often want to say, well, I'll do what feels good and feels best for me and pull away from God in that. But God's ways are still and will always be higher than ours. God's thoughts will always be higher than ours. The end of the story of Joseph, where we're going to um, leave it today, um, that Joseph has, has had these dreams of his brothers bowing down to him uh, and the, Joseph gets to the point where he's overseeing the whole of the country he's the, the second most important person in the whole country in charge of it all and there's a famine in the land and Joseph's family his brothers are, come to the country to ask for some food and it all goes on back and forth and the, the different story that happens it comes to the point where Joseph reveals to his brothers who he is and that they have in fact bowed down to him So Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 to 8. So then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When he had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives as a great, by great deliverance. John Andrew has written a book called Beyond Broken. Any of you that are kind of struggling or working through some of the things that I've been talking about today, I'd highly recommend you reading uh, that book. And this passage John talks about in one of the chapters of that book. And it highlights there that Joseph was sent. Joseph was sent. Through all this journey that he'd been on, it says in this passage here, God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. That Joseph wasn't just there by accident. It wasn't just that God had forgotten about him. It wasn't that the silence, that God wasn't doing anything. But Joseph's journey, he was sent by God. God had called him to live out his life the way that he did. For each and every one of us, God has got a calling on our lives to follow him. God has called us to live our lives out in the best way that we can, to stay close to him, to journey with him, for God to work in our lives through all the ups and downs, through the good and the bad. 
Even in the, the lowest of lows, even in our darkest, lowest moments, we can still be in the hands of God. God can still be working and doing something in our lives. There's always a bigger picture going on. There's always more to what God is doing than what we can see and what we experience right in front of our eyes. But let's not be people that take things into our own hands, that give up on what God's word says, give up on our biblical principles just because of the season we are in. But stay close to God through the moments of chaos, through the moments of silence, through those moments of helplessness. God is with us through it all. For those of us in here that have given our lives to God, I don't know how it was explained or kind of presented to us when we, we had that moment of saying yes to God. It might have been painted as a, a pretty picture that your life will all be easy from now on. Um, I'm sorry if that was the case. But when we say yes to God, we say yes to God through the ups and downs, through the, the good times and the bad, through the easy and the hard. If you want to stand, I'm just going to pray for us. If there's something that you maybe really want prayer for individually, then feel free to come forward or the prayer team will be available after service. We'll be happy to pray with you and speak with you uh, as well. And God, we thank you that you are always working, Lord God. That through our ups and downs, through our, our good times and our, our hardest times, Lord, you are still in control. You are still working in and through those moments, Lord God. And let's pray for all of us in this time, Lord, that we will always have that openness for you to do something in our lives, God. In the tough times that they will be shaping us, that you will be restoring us, that you will be healing us, you will be working us and creating us as new creations as you have called us to be, Lord God. For all of us, I pray that you help us to stay closer to you through through all those times, Lord, in the, the good and the bad, that we always have that desire to hear from you, God, to stay close to you, to spend time in your word and in your presence, God, and that you will continue to work in and through us on a daily basis. Amen.